0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today, as I mentioned at the beginning, we first came in. The nation of Israel today is front and center of all world news. And in doing, and in being in that position, we're obviously committed to prayer for them. And, uh, and I, I do, like I said, encourage you to do so the rest of this week. And we're all praying for an end to that current conflict. Our gospel passage today was also about conflict in Israel. Jesus delivered this stern warning to Israel and to each of us today in this parable that you just heard read. The fact of the matter is our warnings are part of everyday life. We all have occasionally read product warning labels. This week, I looked at some um, from a different perspective. Some are very informative, and some are actually very funny. They make us laugh. I read one this week, that's, and it was this is for all new air conditioners, windy units that are sold, and it's required to have a label that says, "Caution: Avoid dropping the air conditioner out of the window." That's that's deep. <laughs> On the bottle of Johnson's baby lotion, it says, keep product away from children. Okay, that's somewhat confusing, too. But the fact is, warning labels are supposed to, to protect us from harm. And in today's gospel, if it had a warning label attached to it, the warning might say this, reject God's son, receive God's judgment." This scene today that we heard read in this parable took place in the last week of Jesus' life. In fact, this took place in the temple. They anticipate this took place on Tuesday. So Jesus was nearing the end of his life when he said these words. And he gives out a whole series of parables that are very pointed toward the religious leaders of that day. But they also have implication on all of our lives here today. Like I said, Jesus knew what was before him when he stepped into that temple that week. And he knew what was before him at the end of that week. And the Pharisees in this season that he had them in front of him for this week were trying to trap him with all kinds of trick questions. Jesus then tells them this parable today, which is probably the most pointed in its warning to all of, of all of them. It's pointed at the Jewish leaders for failing to accept Jesus as the Messiah. It also has the very same message to people in the world today. You see, Jesus had upset their neat, comfortable understanding of God, a God that existed to serve Israel, not an Israel that was to serve God. Most Americans today, we probably could come to agreement, would say they believe in God, but what kind of God? For some, he's a nice God that they salute one day a week. And then, the rest of the week, they live their lives like they don't even know he exists. Further, he's a God of rules, regulations, and rituals that actually force them further away from him. And they really never come into a saving relationship with him. Friends, Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is really like. Our parable today is convicting, but it is also revealing a lot about the character of our God. In fact, the first truth revealed about our God in this parable today is that God is good. God put us in this world, in this church, in our jobs, in our callings for two two reasons, to love and to serve him, to honor him with our service, to be good, faithful stewards of what he has entrusted us all to. Jesus compared it to something they all knew something about in his time, and that is vineyard management. They understood this in the time of Jesus. They understood the rules of the vineyard and how it worked and how it was managed. And they understood what the tenant job was in that. If you want an inheritance, you need to manage your own vineyard well. In this parable, and it's pretty simple, God's the owner. The vineyard is the world that we live in today. Our life, our finances, that includes our life, finances, our time, our talent, our treasure, which God has entrusted to us as tenants in this vineyard now here on earth. That's our job. Friends, we don't own anything. Nothing, absolutely nothing. We're just tenants of this ownership of the things we've been given for a short season. From very beginning, from creation, we see that our God was good. In fact, at the very beginning, the beginning of the Bible, God said, this is good. When he made creation In fact, he would go on to say that six times Friends, everything good in our lives comes from God I think we probably could agree with that Things may not look good in your vineyard right now In your personal vineyard Because all of us deal with a lot of things in this life You could be going through hardship right now Struggle, loss, all kinds of things That make you question this And the question always comes down to one thing If God is good, why does he allow death and violence? If God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the answer to that question actually comes to us in this parable today. So let's take a look at it. Our parable reveals before us today that bad things happen in this garden, in this place that we've been put, and they're not caused by God. They're caused by the owner and by the tenants who don't do what they're supposed to be doing in it. The tenants messed up the good things God entrusted us as tenants way back in the garden at the very start, didn't he? We were given a garden to live in when this place was created, right? What happened? The tenants, two of us, man and a woman messed that up, right? Sin came in and brought in all the challenges we deal with today. It's no different than today. Nothing's changed. We live in a sinful broken world started by bad tenants. Sins messed it up, not God. Life isn't fair, but our God, we should always remember, is good. God is always good. God is good all the time. That's truth number one. Number two is revealed in this parable, and that is that God is patient. God is patient. Our good God sent messengers to his people, and that is to us. And in our parable the owner God, he sends servants to that vineyard. And at harvest time, the tenants were like sharecroppers. The owner was expecting his share of the crops when they were ready. But the tenants rejected the servants. They beat them up, it tells us in this parable, and kicked them out. Well, that's what sin's like. That's what got everything messed up at the start. It's like saying we're independent from our creator, our own God. Surely, God didn't say that is what was said in the garden. It's like saying God doesn't own the world and and we're rejecting his claim on our lives. Sin is always me first, and I don't need God. That's what the root of sin is. Put it in a a context maybe that we can understand. Imagine you own an apartment, and and you send your friend to collect your rent, you're on vacation, you send them there while you're away and uh, to go pick up the rent for you. Well, what would you do if instead of paying the rent, the renters beat up your friend and said, hey man, this is my house, I'm not giving you anything that's what happened but what did our good God do he could have taken back the vineyard he could have taken back the vineyard at the very start but he didn't because our God is good and he is patient he could have rightly punished us immediately he could punish us immediately every time we do something wrong but he doesn't because God's not only good God is patient And thank goodness that we have a good and patient God. I probably could hear amen for that, because I know I'm not the only one who has needed some grace in my life. But instead of punishing the tenants, he sent a servant. He sent a servant to collect what was his. And then he sent another, and then he sent another, and every one of them got rejected. God sent also prophets to Israel to warn them of the dangers of rejecting the Messiah. Most were abused and rejected, and many were killed. To those today who reject God's ownership and, their, and his role in their lives, they should be very thankful that we have a good God who is patient because all of us need that patience from God. We didn't come to God right from the wound or right off the baptismal font. Somewhere in our lives, we had to make a commitment to God. And thank goodness he keeps sending messengers to patiently request that people around us would fully surrender him and give him what is right his, which is our soul, our heart to serve him. But we must also never forget that God has promised to punish sin. Our God won't let anyone get away with sin forever. No one. Our good God is only patient for so long. and His patience is not about weakness. In fact, it's actually strength under control, something that's very admirable that's hard for us to ever obtain. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's providing us, his vineyard tenants, a second chance. And we're all second chance people. We all need that. The third truth revealed here today in this parable is God is loving. God sent his only son to save us from ourselves. Amen. After all those servants who are rejected in the parable, the owner sent his son, his only son, his begotten, beloved son. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then there's only one God and he's only got one son, and we've only got one way to find salvation. Our God loves us so much that he sent that son to reconcile our differences with him. That is amazing love. That is love that is impossible to live into as hard as we try, but it's the goal. But sadly, as the parable tells us, they didn't welcome him. In fact, they crucified him. In fact, when Jesus was saying these words to him, To these religious leaders, they were plotting his death. And three days later, they would execute that. This parable not only shows what God's like, but it also shows what we're like. It shows the wickedness of the human heart. It's on display in this parable. The tenants being selfish killed the owner's son in a calculated decision to claim ownership of the vineyard. Because we live in a world that we all want to be our own gods. We're like the tenants, we're sinners by choice. We're born with a broke nature, but we become sinners by choice. We choose to live in that life. But our good and patient God loves us in spite of our sin and continues to leave us the opportunity to come to him. So the owner of the vineyard was good, he was patient and loving, but he couldn't allow the wicked tenants to go unpunished and God won't allow us to go unpunished. The final truth in this parable today is God is holy. God will punish sin. Jesus asked his listeners how to deal with the wicked tenants. But before he would let them answer, he gave the answer himself because he knew how important it was to get this right. He said the owner will kill them and give the vineyard to someone else. That's what happened in Israel. That's what took place. Friends, our God is holy. He can't and He won't tolerate sin. It reminds me of a teacher that we had back in grade school. I'll let her name, well, she's in heaven, so I can say her name now. She, uh, but she had a wooden paddle, and on that paddle was the word patience. And whenever we would misbehave, she would pull that paddle out and she'd say, you're getting close to the end of my patience, Greg. She was kind enough to always warn us before she executed judgment. Um, And if her warnings were ignored, we would get the paddle. She would say, okay, Greg, you've reached the end of my patience, and now you're going to reach the end of my my patience paddle. (laughs) And that's what she would give us. But occasionally, just like all of you, we'd get a substitute teacher. You ever get those? You know what that was like. When they showed up, the entire class misbehaved. Because substitute teachers rarely punished. We saw this modeled by the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Some people think God's like a permissive substitute teacher who looks at this world of misbehaving sinners and says, okay, boys and girls, please sit down and be quiet. Does that work, Susan? <laughs> God sent his prophets to the nation of Israel. They rejected him and they killed him. So finally, he sent his son. Israel rejected God's son, and they lost the vineyard. They lost the vineyard. The Jewish religious leaders were furious at Jesus' claim to to be the Messiah. The stone which the builders rejected that we heard talked about in Isaiah centuries earlier, that they knew the book of Isaiah, and they knew who was standing before them, but they rejected it. This refers to the building actually of Solomon's temple years early. It took 30,000 workers more than seven years to complete that temple. And Jewish tradition says that the manager saw one very unusual stone. It was cut in an odd shape. He thought it was flawed, so he had it rolled away into a valley where it laid for years. But then finally, he told the master builder he was ready for the final stone, the cornerstone. The quarry master said to him, the guy, well, that stone's already been delivered. It was delivered several years ago. Well, after a thorough search, the stone was found in the valley covered with moss and debris. And it took days to raise the massive stone out of that valley. When they finally raised the stone and placed it, it fit perfectly. The cornerstone was a stone that they rejected. And that's the story of what we see today in this parable. These religious leaders rejected the cornerstone. He was standing right in front of them. Jesus is that rock. He is that cornerstone. This parable today reveals what our God is really like, folks. He's good. He's patient. And he's loving. But he's also holy. And today we learn we must heed his warnings. That's what comes at the end of this parable. It's a warning, a stern warning. If we reject God's son, we will receive his judgment. Just imagine being on death row for a second. Let's say you're on death row hours away from your execution. And the warden comes in your cells and says, you know what, I got good news for you. The governor's giving you a full pardon. Well, you'd be a fool not to accept such an offer, wouldn't you? You'd be foolish to say, well, that's okay, man. I'm good with this now. Let's go ahead and move on with this. Friends, all of us, listen to this, all of us on death's road, all of us, every single human being. And at some point on this journey, you've got to make a decision in your life whether you want to have life beyond this place. That's what this parable reveals to us. They revealed this to these religious leaders, and they understood this. These were educated, bright people. They got it but they didn't want to give up what they had. They didn't want to give up their sin. They didn't want to give up their authority and everything that they had built on a pyramid of power to succumb to something that they knew was right before them. Once we have a good, loving, patient, holy God and he offers us a pardon, we'd be foolish not to accept it. Today's parable reminds us that inheritance is ours. This parable also reminds us that we will be judged on our stewardship Of the time the talent and treasure that god has entrusted to each one of us as tenants to advance this kingdom here on earth that's something to consider as we move to our commitment sunday in a couple of weeks this parable tells us the importance of that all of us have been given the same role here to serve and to glorify god it can happen any many different ways all of us have a different time talent and treasure that we can commit to this but all of us are expected to give something. And that's what this tells us today. If you're not contributing as a tenant today in in this kingdom, in this vineyard that God has placed you in right now, there's still time. If you haven't accepted your pardon, thank God there's still time. You're still breathing. Make this the day you recommit to our vineyard owner because this is the day that the Lord has made and we never know if it's our last. So make that commitment today. Make this the day. Make this day your new purpose and your new pardon day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.